0: that we're, we're working on the same tournament, but we're not working on the same tournament because I don't know an awful lot about your tournament and I'm not sure how much you know about my tournament. <laughs>
1: it's a funny one, isn't it? it? You just get so absorbed in your draw and what's going on. And I, I mean, I'm obviously catching glimpses of, of the men's, you know, I can see them playing and I, and I see some results come in, but I'm working on the women's and it it's all I can do really to try and keep up with... The women's event, I mean, I think now as we approach the back end of the tournament, I think it's maybe a little bit different and a lot less matches. But at times we had three women's matches going on at the same time and and there was so much to really keep up with. And I mean, to be fair, we've had some mega Megatron matches so far in this tournament. It's been absolutely incredible. So there's been lots
0: of chat about it, loads of matches to keep up on. I don't know. Has the men's been any good? <laughs> I don't even know. Well, I should just say, for those people who listen, and they're more sort of ish than tennis, Indian Wells is the tournament we're talking about in the Californian desert. I mean, the big headline was rain. It's not meant to rain in the desert. It doesn't happen in the desert. It shouldn't happen in the desert. It did happen in the desert. So there was a rain delay and there are no covers or things to deal with rain on the courts because, again, it doesn't rain in the desert. So that was one of the headlines, sort of sitting there thinking, right, what happens now? Because it's raining and no one really knows what to do. I have to say, I think that the, the headlines seem to have come from from the woman's side of things in terms of, of the matches. There seem to have been some some crackers and we're sort of communicating via text because when you're on a match, I'm probably waiting for your match to finish to go on a match. And then when I'm on a match, you're probably you're <laughs> probably waiting for mine to finish to go on to your match. Um, but the, the draw's been good. This is always a good tournament because it's the first Masters event. It's a big draw Indian Wales. It's a big tournament it's known as the fifth slam the mini slam everybody who's fit and healthy is there did you ever qualify play go to Indian Wells because it's just an amazing tournament
1: yeah I mean I, I came to Indian Wells one year but I didn't play uh, it was when my coach was coaching Xavier Melise at the same time so he was playing and I played the Challenger event in between Indian Wells and, and Miami. Uh, it was a bit smaller then uh, because now we have the Oracle series, but it's a bit smaller than, than that then. But it was just known as the strongest Challenger around because everybody who'd been playing or had lost or was in qualifying for these two tournaments was playing the Challenger on the middle week because it's very rare that you have a two-week event that's not a slam. So... I came to Indian Wells and I hit and I mean, I of course, signed in, but I was not going to get in, not with my ranking that year. Um, talking of the challenger, we were talking about it last week. The fact that Kyle Edmund played the challenger and I was saying, it's a bit silly, ranked 25 in the world. Well, it's been bettered this week. David Goffin ranked 20, <laughs> ranked 20 in the world. Feels like he hasn't got enough matches. So he's going to the Phoenix challenger, which is the challenger put on between Indian Wells and Miami for the lower-ranked players because otherwise they can't do anything for a week. And uh, David Goffin's going to go and
0: play. How interesting. It is a strange one. And I know last week you made the case for the players saying, how would you feel as a player if suddenly David Goffin rocks up saying, "No, I need a bit of match practice. I need a bit of confidence. It will do nothing for my bank balance or my ranking. But here I am. Now, he went there on the advice of his coach to get some more games. But I, I was thinking about this and I was talking to a couple of people, including Barry Cowan, who I'm working with this week and Miles McLaggen as well, doesn't see a problem with these players entering the tournament. They're kind of like, look, they need matches. They need a competitive situation. And it's it's sort of win-win for everyone because the players in the Challenger get a chance to really test themselves. The challenger gets a player in the top 20 or 30 in the tournament and that player, we've seen with Kyle Edmund, who's doing really well so far in Indian Wells as we record this on, I don't even know what day we are, on Tuesday. Kyle Edmund's been doing really well up to this point. He's obviously taken something From it, So there's, I'm seeing, I think I'm seeing more positives than negatives from it. It's nonsense. (laughs) What are they talking about?
1: (laughs) Come on, Barry and Miles, what are you talking about? He's top 20. So no matter how out of match practice you feel you are, if you're ranking still in the top 20, you've still been doing all right. Like, okay, I know Goffin was a top 10 player and he reached the finals at the 0-2. So I know he's not playing his best, but... He hasn't fallen all the way down. That's, that's my point. If you put a barrier on it and a, a cap at, say, 50, then, yeah, if you have been losing for a while or you have been injured for a, a while, probably looking at about six months or so, maybe six to eight months, and your ranking will fall down. And then you can go and play. But top 20... Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> No way. I mean, there are players that could have played Nishikori in one challenger, Edmund did another and Goffin in a third. It's ridiculous. And it's not their fault. There, there, are no, there are no rules against it. And I would 100% make the same decision if I were them. I would make the same decision if I was the coaches. Um, sorry, if I was the tournament as well. But there just should be a rule in place to just say, look, guys. There are enough 250s and 500s and 1,000s through the year. These guys can't get into anything else. So let's just leave it. I
0: feel for the sake of our friendship and the sake of the podcast, we are going to move away from this issue. I just hope (laughs) that no one in the top 10 decides to play a challenger anytime soon or this thorny issue is going to come back to the surface again. So we will see how David Goffa gets on in that challenger. But yeah no I I can see why I see why they would and why it would help in terms of the players we've been watching, what's been the headline for you on the, on the WTA side? The side of which I've... Because largely, I, it sounds awful, but I'm, I'm sort of hoping for your matches to finish quite quickly. Because if you're on <laughs> a last match of the day, it sounds awful. And I'm sure you feel the same at times. But if, you're, if you've, you've had a long day, which tournaments generally are, and this is whether you're actually on-site at a tournament or you're working remotely on a tournament, so it doesn't really matter. But if you've, you've had a long day and say your, your final match is... Not before 8 p.m. local time in, in Indian Wells. You are hoping that the match before, which in my case would be a, a WTA match, you're hoping it's not a cracker. You're hoping it's not an epic. You're hoping it doesn't go three hours because you're sitting there thinking, come on, come on, come on. I got it, which is a really awful way to think about things. So largely I'm thinking, let this be quick. Let this one be done. So um, you're probably not thinking the same. So what for you has been the, the standout match on your side of things? Well, it, it's funny,
1: isn't it? It's almost like we've we've become different teams. And I'm kind of, you know, Team WTA. If you're on Team <laughs> ATP. Only for this, this tournament, of course. But yeah, well, I, I'm thinking much the same towards the men's. Well, talking of slipping outside 50 as a ranking, that is a very real threat for Venus Williams because if she di- hadn't have won matches this week, which by the way, she has, she's been phenomenal. 38 years old, remember? If she hadn't have defended this week, she would have been ranked outside 50. If she didn't go on to defend her points in Miami because she reached the semi-finals here and the quarterfinals in Miami, she would have fallen outside 70. I mean, how ridiculous. But... She's flying. (laughs) She's absolutely flying. She's playing incredibly well. I mean, Venus has just been awesome. At the beginning, she was a little bit ill. But as I say, I mean, she's turning 39 this year. I mean, it's absolutely outstanding. She's just outplayed people. Okay, she beat Petra Kvitova. And that wasn't necessarily Kvitova's best match. But she's been just outstanding Venus Williams I mean really it's been an absolute pleasure to watch I mean she's still going and she's got a really good section now that's what happens when you beat some seeds yeah but what a dangerous floater she's going to be for the rest of the year it's been absolutely outstanding and do you know what's been really interesting is she has been so intense and motivated huge come-ons roars of intensity she's been gritting her teeth she's been looking towards her camp (laughs) when she was playing Kvitova it was I was saying that it was a Venus Williams we haven't seen for years and then I kind of rethought that and I was like I don't think we've ever seen a Venus Williams like this her reaction after winning that match was like she had won a Grand Slam it was unbelievable and in her interviews being really kind of Honest and actually giving an account of the match and actually saying what happened, whereas normally she kind of says "I don't know" quite a few times. And says somehow I won, um, but actually giving some analysis, she is totally switched on and engaged. It's incredible to watch.
0: And then there was the really surprising and not nice to see sight of Serena Williams, who very rare for her unable to complete a match, and that was something we did because again we were. I was following that match of Serena Williams so we were keeping an eye on it and then suddenly word came through and you even sent me a couple of messages at the time about what was happening but really not nice to see the fact that she wasn't able to complete a match no she looked at in a really bad way actually it was quite
1: concerning I mean she's had some big health scares and look I know a lot of players pull out here and there and you know it's never really anything too bad they've just decided that they don't want to finish the match because they might make something worse or whatever it is but that is not the case for Serena Williams, she, this is the second time she's pulled out since 2009. So it's in withdrawn mid-match the second time. Uh, plenty of times she's supposed to play a tournament and doesn't go. But yeah, I mean, it was um, quite extraordinary. And actually at the beginning of the match, she was playing against Garbinia Muguruza. And the first three games, she looked really rough. But... Her shots were incredible, and I even said, if you look at Serena, you're very concerned for her. But if you just watch the ball, you're thinking she's not going to lose a game because she was it, the ball was incredible. Her shots were amazing, and that shows how well she was playing. But then she just really deteriorated. She looked very dizzy. Um, she was really, really struggling, and she lost that set. It was six three, and then one love. So she lost seven games in a row. But I mean, she wasn't running, wasn't competing at all, and I think she was genuinely quite concerned about herself because normally she would still still finish the match but uh, she was genuinely quite concerned about herself her team were shouting at her to stop everybody was standing up saying you've got to stop this is this is ridiculous so i'm sure they knew what was going on um but yeah so we don't really have too much more information other than she was unwell but that was really quite yeah that, that was really quite scary um for her i'm i'm sure but it meant that Magarutha went through and we were talking about the older players in Venus and Serena. You've got an older player going really well as well.
0: Yes, we win. We win this award. <laughs> Ivo Karlovic at the age of 40, still going strong through to the round of 16. Um, he came through against a qualifier Prajnice Gunaswaran in the last round. But before that, he had to overcome his countryman Borna Coric, who would have been the favourite going into that, came through in straight sets. He's just quietly and calmly going about his business. Yes, he's got this whopping great serve and he'll be enjoying the courts in Indian Wells. But it's really nice to see, imagine... 40 years of age you've had a long long career and you are still you still have the desire and the motivation and the everything to be training because you can't ease up on the training when you've got these young guns coming through saying right it's our time now it's really nice we talk a lot about Roger Federer 37 years of age still being Roger Federer but you know you have to give a nod to Ivo Karlovic I mean it's and there's a really nice article for people interested on ATP do atptour.com, if I can say it, about the struggles he went through when he was ill a few years ago. And he hit a really low point and had to push to get through and come through. It's a really nice story for Ivo Karlovic. So yes, he wins on the he wins on the age front. We've also had a little bit of illness. Sasha Zverev, world number three, he was beaten by his countryman, Jan Lennard Now, we'd heard he's had some ankle trouble this year, but this was, he was in bed ill. And you know when you look at someone and they look... They look full of cold, so the nose looks slightly red and they're coughing and they're sniffing and they just don't feel right. And I was thinking, you talked about Serena Williams in those first few points. I noticed in sasha's Zverev at the beginning, he didn't want to be in baseline rallies. He didn't want to be going toe-to-toe with anybody. He just wanted to finish off the points really quickly. So there's a couple of spectacular points when he was thinking, if I can just bang down some serves and get this done, I might be able to pull through. Can you think back to a time when you were ill on court and and you were just thinking, I've just got to get through. I've just got to make this as short and sharp as possible because you get through, then you have a bit of a break and then maybe you'll be back to normal. Yeah, well, that's what we were talking about with Venus because she had she was
1: very coldy in the first match. And it almost I mean, she looked like she was struggling, but it almost made her play better because she was just finishing off the points much quicker. I remember I played the hundred thousand dollar event in Midland where it was about minus. 20 something outside. Michigan. It's all right. We were playing indoors.
0: I was slightly worried for you then. <laughs>
1: uh, but I had a horrendous cold, really, you know, the one that really knocks you out. And I played unbelievably well. I could barely breathe. I was. I had tish, so much tissue stuffed up my skirt because I had to blow my nose after every single point. It was falling out at times. It was horrible. And then the ball kids were trying to come pick it up. And I was saying, no, don't touch it. That's gross. No, I can't get it. And all the ball kids had like a, a box of tissues sat next to them just for me just like so i could keep coming
0: and grabbing them and then i was just shoving them up my skirt because i didn't want to give them back to them do you concede a point if your tissue falls out midpoint uh yeah like if a ball fell out of a pocket or the shorts <laughs> under the skirt you lose the point so what happens if your, your if your tissue ends up on the floor it's the same thing so the
1: first time you play a let if it happens the second time you lose the point um it is uh, it's it, it's you uh, basically i mean if it's anything if it's a ball or something comes out of your hair anything or your hat comes off anything at all so yeah if a tissue comes down the umpire should call a let and then the second time they would just take the point away from you so i don't think it happened twice might have happened once (laughs) or the umpire might have been very nice to me because i was (laughs) coughing and spluttering but i basically just teed off And teeing off is something we talk about in tennis. It doesn't mean tanking. And tanking is where you're not trying your best. Teeing off is just like, nothing else is going to work. I have to go max out because I have to win every point within three shots. So I was playing an indoor event. I played ridiculously well, (laughs) well. And then I got to, I think I won... A couple matches in qualifying and the first round, and then by the and then the next match, I was just absolutely done. Like I just, I, I couldn't even, I I almost couldn't really swing my arms; they were just that heavy. So you you can do it for quite a while. I think almost when you just get ill, when you start to get ill, it can really help. But when it is full on, like I mean, it seems like if if Zverev had a bit of a red nose, that seems like he's had a cold for a while, and that's just when your energy resources are completely de- just depleted. <laughs>
0: from the podcast we've done. You seem to have, now you might say you haven't, you seem to have a pretty good memory for your matches. So you'll suddenly say, oh, there was this challenger and I played, and I played this person. That's so, that's so not true. You do a really good job of disguising it therefore, because we'll talk about it and you'll say, ah, oh, I remember. And it's not like we sit down together before we record this and go over everything we're going to talk about. So you think, ah, oh, okay, I'll have that uh, match earmarked out we just sort of chat and ramble and go off on tangents but it does seem you'll just sort of say oh i played panover in a, in a challenger and then i turned up against this person and then i did this so it seems like your memory is excellent for matches no i only talk about the ones i remember i was literally <laughs> doing it the other day we
1: um we were doing uh vogelay and I know her quite well. I know I played lots of tournaments with her. I've definitely practiced with her a lot. So if I saw her, I would chat to her. I mean, this was obviously years ago, but if I saw her now, I would chat to her. Like it's fine. I haven't haven't bumped into her. And I said to, I'm, I'm working with Pete Odgers, and I said to Pete just before the match started, I said, I think I played against her. Maybe I played against her. And I thought, no, I think I just practiced with her. Anyway, I looked it up. Played her three times. <laughs> <laughs> And I won one of them. And then that match, I was like, oh, I remember that. That was great. On the carpet, played really well. So it's not... The memory's not always there. Uh, occasionally, it pops up. But then as soon as I see the results, and, oh, I I played her three times, I remember all of those matches completely, um, apart from one at the French Open and qualifying that I lost. And I'm sure I just deliberately tried to block that from my memory. <laughs>
0: but uh, But the other ones, I remember. So when you were playing... Was your memory good at the time when you were playing? So throughout your career, would you remember, is it only now that you're sort of old and not playing, (laughs) that the memory's not quite as it was, or has it always been the case, even when you were playing, that pretty much you would finish a match and sort of park it somewhere? Uh, My
1: memory in general is absolutely shocking. Just across the board, it all thinks, it's, it's honestly, it's something that I'm surprised you haven't commented on it, because a lot of people will comment on it. So, I can tell you one. So in Orange County, there we go. See, I remember it now. In Orange County, <laughs> I think I have a better long-term memory than short-term memory. In Orange County, in that challenger that I told you about, oh, by the way, didn't even drop the fact that I won it. <laughs> I qualified and won that tournament. I mean, that's how strong it was. I was only in the qualifying. But that challenger that's in between Indian Wells and Miami it was in the OC It was lovely. We had these huge wild forest fires all around us and we woke up one day and the court was entirely covered in ash. It was extraordinary. But I played against a girl. uh, Sorry, no, I was practising with a girl um, before my semi-final, I think. And I I was just hitting with her. Uh, So we played five or six points. And afterwards I was thinking, she's really good. And then after we practiced I went and shook her hand and said thanks very much and and she was chatting she was like oh good luck today and all this sort of stuff and because she was still in the doubles and I said to her oh how did you do in this tournament and she just looked at me and said you beat me two days ago oh no oh no (laughs) and my coach was just shaking his head and now in my defense in the
0: match, she was wearing a hat. <laughs> there is no defence. There is there, Many times you have a good defence. There is no defence to not recognising someone you recently beat and having been out practising with them. That's a shocker. Cavalier. I
1: know. And then I had this whole discussion with my coach because he was like, okay, maybe you might not recognise the face, but surely you recognise her shots and the way that it comes... Because, you 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 know, you recognise a lot of players by their stance and their swings and their technique and that sort of thing. <laughs> it's so funny. I mean, my coach must have just thought, what on earth am I dealing with? Because I did have a reputation for not really paying attention to the other end and really just being quite in my own head. And that was something that we happened to be working on. And he just... <laughs> shaking my head I actually remember it was her name was Theodora Murchich it's now a name you will never ever ever forget <laughs> I've Ooh. never felt more I was mortified I've Never. she was so disappointed as well <laughs> it was it was horrible so no my memory is awful and even now I'll be doing so I'll be I'll be commentating on a match and I know the player inside now, so I do all of my research about their form and their matches and did they play Fed Cup and their coaching and where did they do their off-season. You do all the bits and bobs, right? I mean, you do it as well. It's a standard practice. And I obviously think, well, I don't need to look into her game because I know exactly how she plays. And then five minutes before the match starts, I think, I, I can't remember how she plays. I can't remember anything about her. We, this happened to me with Kozlova this week. And I was thinking... I've seen her play so many times and I can't remember for the life of me her game and I don't have time to sit and watch a set of her match on YouTube which is what I would do as a bit of a refresher so then she starts and I'm really and I do kind of think I just I'm blanking but it's somebody that I it can be honestly it could be somebody that you know so so well it could be somebody quite a, a top 20 player for example and I could be thinking oh my I just I don't know I can't remember and then as soon as they play the first point it all comes flooding back. And I go, all oh, right, yeah, okay. I know I know everything about her and then I'm off and I'm fine. But <laughs> yeah,
0: sometimes I do get moments where I'm just a bit like, I don't know what's going to happen. Did you see the girl afterwards? So you'd beaten her, practiced with her, didn't recognise her. She was a little bit upset you didn't recognise her. Do you then go on to see her again somewhere and did you sort of walk past each other or were you over-friendly or did you probably blanker because you didn't recognize her oh I tried way too hard after that (laughs) I was trying
1: to make up for it so badly because she was so nice and uh yeah I I just oh I just felt bad because she was obviously so she felt like she was so unmemorable to me (laughs) in our match (laughs) oh dear oh sorry Theodora She's not the only one, don't worry.
0: I well, I, I'm I, I think you know who I am. We speak on quite a regular basis. Whether you whether you send me messages and you actually think you're messaging someone else I don't know. Um but I I've never if someone asked me about describe Naomi Cavaday, I would never say that you had a memory problem because as I say, when we talk about things and we, we go down a little path on a little tennis chat, you'll bring up a tournament, a match, a point, some weather conditions, some weird thing that you had to do at this tournament. I think honestly, I think you cover it really, really well.
1: I think I'm blagging it. I'm, I'm kind of 60-70% sure to, to be honest. I'm about 70% sure that that was her name. So I'm just going to commit to it. <laughs> just say I think it was Theodora Martinez. I don't even know. Uh it's so um I don't know, it's something that follows me around all
0: the time and it's um yeah, uh, it's very frustrating. Well, we're we're together covering Miami in well a few days from now so I might have to think of some memory tests or something I'm gonna I just I just can't believe I've never seen this side to you I mean I've seen the slightly mad side but and we've worked together in some crazy hours during tournaments but I've never seen this there's me thinking you had this excellent memory and you were spot on with everything what you're telling me is the memory's rubbish you don't remember anything and you get people confused with other people yeah
1: that's my biggest my biggest issue that's for sure it's not too bad as i say i do lots of research before matches so it's okay um but sometimes i <laughs> just forget
0: it <laughs>
1: yeah but i've had commentators say to me like oh you've played this girl a couple of times how does she play and i i, I couldn't didn't even remember she was left-handed so <laughs>
0: I wouldn't even know but i bet i bet you 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 just come up with a fabulous answer do you act as though yes i know they were this and this and this or do you actually say i don't remember oh no i'm I mean, sometimes I don't
1: remember, so I'll kind of blag it, or I'll remember kind of generally. So I know generally she didn't hit the ball that hard. So then I kind of can talk about the fact that well, she's a counter puncher and she runs around a lot and whatever. Um, it, it it very rarely happens that they then start playing and it's completely different to what I thought it was. So I hope none of my bosses are listening. <laughs> <laughs> We've
0: got memory issues with this one. <laughs> Now I'm going to ask you a question you, you might not know the answer to. How many matches, compared to matches, did you play in your career? Roughly, exactly. Oh, you can just guess. No idea. A professional career, probably 200? 200. 200. So, so, yeah. So you've 200 matches and... You're working with someone, you might be working with someone for the first time. So they're thinking, right, I'm working with Naomi Cavaday, I've got to get all my research, so I've I've got to impress her, you know, bang, bang, bang. So they've gone through your back catalogue, which you haven't looked at for years and years, and they sort of whip out a match against someone which was match number eight of your professional career. I mean, fair enough that you're not gonna remember that. It is it's not as though I'm ever in a situation where someone says, Well, can you remember that match you were commentating on the person that it was very they might say, the highlight from a tournament or I don't know, your best Wimbledon match or the best match you've ever seen between Roger Federer and Rafa Nadal, which is a lot more straightforward than someone, as I say, having gone into your archives that you don't even know and said, Right, in in the ninth match of your professional career, that was a great performance and you're thinking, I haven't got a clue. do I don't actually have a clue. So it's I, I can imagine it's quite I, I can imagine people saying, what's the so what's the best match of your career? Ooh. So what's the best one? Well, what best... So
1: most memorable or the best level that I played or the best I did. Like, that's a very... I don't know, there are some nuances there.
0: That all, sound, that all sounds like one. No, it's not.
1: So the best ever performance I felt that I ever put out on the court in terms of just purely from a tennis point of view was actually in US Open juniors. I played against Tamira Pasek who was in the main draw as well, because we had that at that time. Players were making third round of the main slam and then turning up to juniors. I mean, God, leave us alone. We had Pasek and Korne doing that, <laughs> Wozniacki was doing it, uh, Radvanska, Pavly- Pavlyuchenkova, like, lots of players were doing it. And uh, yeah, I played Pasek and I lost four and a third at the US Open. And I think it was only second round or something. It was very early on. But it was an unbelievable standard of match. I played Tamira Pasek a lot, actually. And she was a phenomenal youngster. It's such a shame what's happened to her. I mean, she broke the top 100 at 16 years old. She was extraordinary. Her backhand down the line was absolutely, outrageously good. One of the best I've ever seen. Yeah, that was an awesome match. I mean, that was kind of... Yeah, I mean, it was just a very, very high level. So in terms of performance, that one, the most memorable one, of course, is playing Venus at Wimbledon. But that was, of course, the most memorable match. I mean, playing centre court, opening Wimbledon, 15,000 people, it was packed by the end of the match, uh, was extraordinary.
0: Yeah, so I mean, they are kind of slightly different. But it's, if people just hadn't listened to the past five minutes on your memory problems and issues, not knowing anything. And they just tuned in for that little chunk there. They think, wow, look at that. She's got a, a match from US Open juniors and who she played against and what was going on. So the Wimbledon one, obviously, I mean, gosh, if you start forgetting that Wimbledon one, they've got issues there if you're opening up on centre court. And then you've got the biggest win of your career. So I feel we've got the, the two sides of Naomi Cavaday. We've got the one that might not even remember to turn up for the podcast next week because the memory is so bad. And then on the other hand, we've got the one that's just sort of rattled off memorable matches. I'm not sure which one I am most of the
1: time. I think, yeah, I don't know. I think the memory thing is a weird one because it's selective. And that's probably my own fault. I mean, look, you can't remember every match you play. And so, obviously, if it doesn't stand out for you for any reason, then you don't remember. But, I mean, look, I was convinced I'd played Petra Kvitova. I think the first few times I commentated on Kvitova, I was telling people I played her. (laughs) That's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) That didn't happen. (laughs) I played lots of tournaments with her, and I very much remember when she won the $75,000 event in Monzon and I lost in the quarterfinals. Turns out I didn't lose to
0: her. I lost to somebody else. I tell you what, if, if we ever enter a pub quiz... I'm not going to be on your team because there's me thinking, well, it'd be a shoo-in if I had Naomi with me. I mean, her memory, knowledge, everything, it's up there. Just be making up answers as we go along. So, Oh, man. A pub quiz when it gets to like a tennis bit. Oh,
1: it's not great. No, okay. I'm not great because, right. it's, it, because I'm not great on tennis trivia. Although I saw um, on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire the other, the other night... Uh, I got a text from my friend. I, I didn't see it at all, but I got a text from my friend with the question because it was a tennis question. Now, it's just like, should we test you? Did you see it? No, don't test me. Uh, no, I didn't see it. What was the question? Okay, it was for half a million. So quite large. Right. Uh, and remember, this is multiple choice, but it was who won Wimbledon, men's and women's, both players, uh, in 2000. Right. So I was straight in there on the women's side. I knew it was Venus because she won 2000, 2001. So I knew that about Venus. I knew on the men's side, it wasn't Federer. I can't even remember who it is now. (laughs) 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 I can't remember the answer. (laughs) It's not the Sampras. (laughs) It's not even Isovich, because that was 2001.
0: (laughs) Who else won it? (laughs) I just think this is brilliant that you set yourself up saying you were going to test me with a question from who wants to be a millionaire and that so hang on at the time when your friend did she text you this question I mean I can give I can give you the answer if you want but uh, or I can just let you have you googled it no why would I do a thing like that
1: (laughs) (laughs) wait I'm trying to work it out why can't I work it out my memory's appalling I remember everything else around two thousand, but not that. Um, I don't think it was Federer. I think that would be too obvious. And uh, and even Eastwich which was two thousand and one, I would I guess at I guess at Sampras because he's just won a lot of them. But I don't
0: know. Being a podcast, okay. Being a podcast, we can't we can't phone a friend because that would be weird so do you want a 50 50 option no i think just
1: just put me out of my misery to be honest but of course on who Must have be a there they had options so i would have got it i would have got the half a million pounds i'm sure but would you would you yes come on because i know i'm wrong so it's got to be somebody else
0: the person who won, who won the men's title at Wimbledon 2000 has been present at Indian Wells this year on Stadium One. Most recently, he was watching Novak Djokovic. He came back the next day and Novak Djokovic, it was, the, it was Novak Djokovic's idol. The next day he came back and watched Roger Federer and Rafa Nadal. So the answer to the question of who won Wimbledon 2000 is... Pistol Pete. I was right. Hey. Oh, no <laughs> way. See, it was in there somewhere. <laughs>
1: I genuinely
0: thought I was wrong. You haven't changed my mind about not pairing up with you on a pub quiz. I just think there'd, uh, there'd, be, there'd, be, there'd be too many tense, tough times. Yeah. We'll just have to be on separate ones. If that Look, I've got a couple of things from last week's podcast to follow up on. After we'd done it, remember the next day I was going to work at Chelsea on European football. Yes. And, and my producer, Ali, said, um, oh, what was it like to meet Sven? And it was, I just, you know, when you don't expect someone to ask that, someone you work with in a, in a very different situation. And I suddenly thought, Sven, Sven, who's that? And he went, Sven, what was it like to meet Sven? And the word I thought of was <laughs> with Sven, he's quite judgy. It's, I don't even know if that's a word, but Sven is quite judgy. <laughs> is that fair? 100% he has the
1: most judgmental face and he does just sit there judging people.
0: For sure. I mean, it was lovely in many ways, but also did I feel like I'd run up and give him a cuddle? Not really, because he had that sort of judgy look on his face. Yeah. And he's quite aloof. They're
1: an aloof breed. They're not a really friendly breed. And I'm sure you saw that. I mean, he wasn't really jumping all over you when you got there. And, you know, he, he kind of says hi I mean, when I wake up in the morning and go in and see him, I mean, he'll be asleep. I mean, if he puts his head up to even look at me, that's, that's pretty impressive. And the same if I've been away, if he's been on his own for a few hours. You know, lots of dogs are so excited that you're home. He's kind of like, meh. People say they're more like cats, you know, and cats okay. are not as cuddly. So, no, it wasn't just you, but he definitely made a judgment of you. <laughs>
0: That really doesn't sound very good. And another friend of mine, Lee, because we posted some photos on our accounts of the meeting with Sven and Sven being there. He, he liked one of the photos and he said he only liked it because he thought I was sort of cuddling a fox. I mean, genuinely. And I said, why would I have been sitting in a pub cuddling a fox? I mean, that's, that's just strange. But he, and, he, and I think even though I told him Sven wasn't a fox, he still there's a little bit of him that still thinks Sven... Is a fox, and I mean, there's nothing I can do to change his mind. But, uh, but yeah, he was convinced that we just found a fox in a pub and gave it a cuddle. Yeah, people are adamant that I'm walking a fox a
1: lot of the time. A lot of the majority of people say oh, he looks like a fox, but then some people are just saying they they just say is that a fox? I say, well, no, it's not a fox; it's a dog.
0: I have something similar but very different with the twins who are non-identical you've you've seen them know them they they look like they could have actually different parents they are so different in in sort of size and haircut everything about them is different and people will come up to me and when they find out they're twins they'll say are they identical and I'm thinking are you are you looking at the same two children that I'm looking at and so you sort of smile and say no they're not and then they look and they go they don't look alike and you're like (laughs) <laughs> because they're not identical and it's and I, I cannot tell you as soon as you say the word twins it's almost as though there's an automatic reaction unless it's boy girl, therefore they will not be identical But it 's almost like a, an automatic reaction when you say they're twins are they identical it's almost like a, it's a it 's a reflex reaction in terms of words that come out um and you sort of chuckle because they, that they could not be more unalike i mean it, it's it, it's insane but then you sort of chuckle and you just sort of laugh but it's just then then they don't really know what to do so then like, well they don't look alike well they're not identical so they don't like it to- no they're not identical so they're not identical And you're thinking oh my word so that's the that's my kind of sven fox but what is that about though is that just because
1: people don't really understand twins and they they just automatically think of twins being identical I think so and they don't really get what non-identical twins are I don't know I mean I don't know
0: any non-identical twins apart from yours um, I'm just trying to well I suppose in, in tennis terms we, we have the Brian brothers who are identical we've got the Pliskova twins actually I say that
1: my, my dad's brother and sister
0: are non-identical twins <laughs> <laughs> yes but, yes, but I, know, I didn't even remember that no but they can't but they're a boy and a girl so they would never be identical that would be weird. Yes. But, so no,
1: I said I <laughs> No, I said I don't know any non-identical twins apart from yours. So I was saying like or well, maybe people don't know what non-identical twins are like they just think that that identical that twins are just always identical and then I yeah and I said I didn't know any and then I realized I have some in my
0: family <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> this is god I'm sharp I feel, I feel we get a worrying revelation about you each and every week last week we had the the revelation that if you if you stretch or a push to your limit then you need to go to the toilet oh yes in your words, I'm about to wet myself.
1: Has anyone got in touch about that? Is anybody else? No,
0: no one's in agreement no. with that one. I don't know. You may have had a little support with the, with the channel changer. You had a bit more support with the heavy petting. There's been people in the past that have also agreed that shortbread is a nice thing. But I think, I think, um, I think no. There, there has been no one that's come forward. I even spoke to the guy I've been doing some personal training with. And I said, so, have you ever had a reaction? He's trained loads of people that when they get to sort of an extreme point in stretching or working out, that they want to have a wee, they want to wet themselves. And honestly, the look look he gave me, he just looked at me, he said, are you serious? And I said, well, no, apparently she's serious. It's not me. (laughs) And he said, I've never heard that. To the point where he has never heard that, even via someone else, he has never heard that. So then I said, "Well, what's the strangest or most unusual thing you've heard about someone who is pushed to the limits? Or maybe let's stick with stretching. When you're stretching them, and I don't know, I sort of have to say this, but I, I can't say this on the podcast because I think I do believe this is a family podcast. But he was he was he was, <laughs> he, was <laughs> um, uh, uh, he was a little bit of imagination he needed. So he was working with." Uh, a man and he was stretching him and he was stretching out his back trying to make it click or move or bend or something and he, he achieved the release that the man was looking for and the man said that only twice in his life has he, has he felt that sensation. There was, there was once when he was climbing a rope in junior school and he got to the top and suddenly... It happened, and the second time was when this guy I work with was was manipulating his back, and um, he, uh, much to the surprise of the personal trainer, this gentleman who was lying down said he he had come very close to, to 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 reaching his happy place. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, at, at, which, at which point? At which, That's not a. Th- is that a thing? It's apparently, it's a, apparently, it's a thing. He didn't. He didn't quite achieve happy place. Thank goodness. But at at the doing this in is private. In, and this is this is, is, is in a gym that um, the guy um, I've been working with immediately sort of moved himself from the situation because he was doing the back manipulation. <laughs> And um, and honestly, and, and apparently there was just sort of an awkward, an awkward moment where, yeah. where neither there was one very very happy person <laughs> to one side, and one slightly not sure how to deal with it on the other side. So at which point I said, "Okay, you win." Okay, that's uh, that's that's way above Naomi wanting to wet himself. <laughs> and he said, yeah. He said, which is still very weird, by the way. <laughs> I mean, session over. No,
1: I mean straight away, be like, "Okay, done for today. Th- th- let's get out of it." be honest i'm calling podcast over i can't even i can't i can't continue this is just ridiculous i don't know whether that makes me feel better or worse
0: i feel a mix of shame
1: My gosh! Uh, I mean, how is this guy still training people?
0: I mean, that would—I would have been out career over. Well, he's obviously—he's—he's he's obviously got a magical touch on some people. <laughs> um, I don't think—I have to say—I I don't think that he worked together with this particular gentleman anymore because I think it—it became—it became, <laughs> it became a, quite a strange situation. But I didn't—I think the surprise for me. Um, apart from that, was the fact that he had a story that could be something sort of stranger than than for you and 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 your feeling when when stretched. So, so there we go. He thinks it's slightly weird your reaction. He had a fellow with a altogether very different reaction, and um, I think I agree with you. I don't know whether this is a good or a bad place to end the podcast, but <laughs> I, I feel I feel we may have we may have found a natural end. <laughs> Do you know what? I just want to go. I just want to go. Just
1: go and enjoy your matches. Oh, I'm going to need a week
0: to recover. You don't enjoy them too much. And um, um, I look forward, if you, if you remember me and the podcast and what we do, because um, I'm slightly concerned now, that uh, we're going to be linking up for the Miami tournament. So um there's there's a lot that can happen between <laughs> between now and then. But uh, I, I look forward to actually being in the same place as you. Let alone yes. the same tournament. Actually the same place so we can we we can sit down and <laughs> and get back to it. Yes.
1: <laughs> I can't even think about it right now. <laughs> whatever, Gigi. Just go. Just go. I'm going. Bye. Bye.